Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Raf. Welcome down the security rabbit hole. This is the Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast. We are once again recording live at Enfuse 2019 in beautiful, sunny, and relatively warm compared to the rest of the country, apparently, uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, where it is 76 and, uh, or something like that and not 12. Uh, I, have, uh, I have a fun conversation with you guys um, because I'm, I'm always interested in the kind of cutting edge uh, or where things are going and what they could be used for. Um, and Brian Chedester's got a uh, great talk he gave on IoT and such. Uh, Brian, introduce yourself and then we'll, we'll roll. Sure. Uh, again, my name is Brian Chedester. I uh, oversee global strategy uh, for governments um, and all the public sector for open text. And I'm headed back to snow, so I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying this warmth right now. Oh, you got snow coming at they you. They had snow this week, so I'm I'm happy to I'm happy to it went away, but uh, not looking forward to the 40 degree difference that I'll be leaving. Oh well, all right. So cool. Uh, what did you talk about? And like, what was the premise of your talk? And then um, get, line that up for people, and then we'll uh, we'll take it from there. Sure. So uh, what I talked about was around uh, Internet of Things within the law enforcement field. Um, I mean, we're open text, we're, we're big on data, IoT is obviously transforming the way uh, with all the endpoints we ingest data, process data, et cetera. Um, but we, we took a dive into some of the things happening within law enforcement. Um, there, there's a number of IoT devices that we can talk about, um, and it's incredible the, the, the network technology that's happening, the different layers that are happening within some of these IoT devices. Um, I'll give you an example. Uh, so smart cities are becoming more pervasive, right? Um, and obviously everything is interconnected. Um, but you look at a, a, a single street lamp. Um, it, it might, it obviously it has, uh, has a light bulb. It, it probably has a video camera. Um, but then with that, you can also layer on a gunshot detection uh, sensor. Um, you can uh, layer on different monitors to... to uh, figure out what traffic flow is like um, for, for various reasons. Um, but with the new uh, 5G networks happening and 6G coming soon, um, you can actually process data at that endpoint um, to help make decisions and provide recommendations um, to, uh, if it's a public safety officer um, or to whoever's on the other end, which is really cool. Um, it's generally been just the, that ingestion or the, or the creation of data, and it flows to where it flows in, in the process and analysis happening. But those new networks are really allowing for a lot more to happen at that endpoint. All right. So the logical question with you, just, what you just told me is, holy crap, what happened to my privacy? So, and that was another part of it. Uh, so it, how can you consent uh, to, um, to what happens at a streetlight, right? You, you might have a video camera and... Um, and you're caught on that video camera, how do you consent to uh, wherever that data is going? And, and the short answer is you can't. Um, but there are, a lot of, yeah, there, there are a lot of privacy laws that are happening. Um, and, and again, that was part of the talk. 
the thing that I'm most interested around uh, privacy and security, especially when it comes to uh, where all this data is flowing, is the idea around um, not just the, the capture of the data, the process of the data, but the, the security of the data in a world where we have open government. So um, a lot of this stuff can be, depending on what that data is from IoT devices uh, in, within government space, can be um, pushed out through FOIA requests. Um, so making sure that everything's redacted properly um, and the data's going to, uh, to the areas for good. Um, we talked about re-identification um, real quick, which is really scary. Uh, in Australia, they, uh, somebody was able to take um, disparate amounts of data and re-identify 2.9 million Australian citizens um, just based on, uh, and th these were all medical records, based on the year they were born and the date of the procedure happening. So, and, and you can start to pattern people and do that kind of stuff with, with, uh, with certain data, but it's, it's scary. Privacy is a great, <laughs> make a great point. Well, so, okay, you, you talked about with 5G, um, and I've seen that all over the news right now, and all the ads, Verizon, AT&T are doing 5G. Mm -hmm. uh, AT&T is 5G-ish, I think, at this <laughs> yeah, point. Yeah. Um, uh, but you said all the processing can happen locally. Uh, is that, is, are we talking like, um, like a Raspberry Pi type of processing, or something more complex than that? Um, it's something a little bit more complex than that. We're not quite there yet, but that was, that's what the network is really built to support, and that's why they're already looking at 6G. Uh, smart cities are growing at uh, a slower pace now, but they're, they're picking up adoption, and 6G, they're already looking at 2030, 2035, 6G rolling out, and my, my guess and my prediction is that smart cities are going to take off and they're preparing that network infrastructure for that. And that's where I think a lot of that process will happen. Um, that's where I think the recommendations will happen, and I think you're going to see um, a lot more efficiencies with that. But again, the privacy and security of those endpoints, uh, endpoints especially, um, will be top of mind. Well, with the, uh, w with the fact that you can have video cameras uh, on every street light, every corner, that, I mean, they're already pretty much everywhere but that they can monitor traffic flow and then essentially tell the street lights uh, on different places, hey, this, this, you know, uh, this red light's creating a backup over here, give it a longer green, let the traffic go and reset. Is that something we're talking about here now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I mean, beyond that, if you think, if you tie it back to public safety, um, yes, you can do that, um, but uh, think about first responders. Uh, there's, a, there's a fire truck en route somewhere, and in real time, they can get an understanding of where the congestion points are based on that and perhaps get um, real-time recommendations from an AI platform that say, change, change course, go here. Obviously, Waze is doing something like that now, but a lot of that is crowdsourced. Now you're talking about data coming in from, um, from uh, uh, these smart city endpoints that will then be processed through an AI engine um, and provide those recommendations to the first responders. Okay, so the natural question that I have then is, because I've, I've seen that, that, uh, that um, was it the Die Hard uh, episode or the series, right, the, the movie where uh, they, they, they started messing with streetlights, street heights in the streetlights yeah, yeah. and all that. So that can, that can naturally then you think about that, the way that can be abused, the way that can be you know, destroyed. Uh, you can create some serious havoc and panic. Are, they, are, are the people that are putting these things together, please tell me they're at least thinking about how to protect this stuff because... Well, it's, 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 it's security by design. 
Um, it's actually, there's a lot of regulations to hopefully assuage some of those, those fears. There's privacy by design too, and there's some pretty draconian penalties put into place to make sure that um, manufacturers of these technologies are, are building them by design with privacy. Um, but it's already happened, and, and one, of the, one of the use cases I provided was hackers uh, were able to set off the tornado alarms within the city of Dallas. Yeah, 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 I remember that. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, it's already Repeatedly. happened. Yeah, um, so it's, it's certainly a concern, and that's just a simple alarm. Imagine, I mean, we just heard James Clapper um, on one of the keynotes, and he talked about inf the, the hacking of infrastructure being hit, what essentially keeps him up at night, right? And I think that is something that um, is certainly, from a security standpoint, something we have to look at. Well, and it doesn't take long to, to grab a copy, uh, log in the uh, Shodan, and do a quick search on you know open camera interfaces. There was one that was published at Twitter a little bit ago that had um, you know various power plant surveillance uh, cameras. Uh, you can just watch people go about their business at these power plants and watch them badge in and watch them badge out. Like that stuff is scary because now you've got patterns of life developing uh, inside of these things. You know, it doesn't. It makes it so much easier to go. You know, a break in or find a weakness. Uh, so while I, I'm fully on board with the fact that this could be creating some fantastic opportunities, uh, I think it also could potentially create some horrific uh, movie scenarios if we're not real careful. Yeah, and, and I think it, one of the scary parts too, I mean, just, just to add on to the gloom and doom, is technology takes off at such a pace that policy just can't keep up. Um, the, if you think about just in the United States Freedom of Information Act, that was done in 1966. I don't think Lyndon Johnson thought that they were going to be processing data uh, from disparate databases uh, with an AI engine back in 1966. Yeah, in, in the order of petabytes, right? Exactly. So, so you look at technology, it, it proliferates faster than we can really keep up from a policy perspective, and that's not going to change. Um, so it's, it's, how, it's how do we change from being reactive to proactive in terms of security, but in terms of privacy. Um, you're seeing, I mean, with GDPR, even though that's, that's a reactive posture, CCPA, it's a reactive posture, but they're, it's already top of mind. Again, I, I talked about the manufacturers, um, building things privacy by design. That's an important step, um, and hopefully uh, there's some kind of symbiotic relationship between the manufacturers and government that figure out, okay, we need to get this together and make sure that we're, um, we're moving to the future in a smart way. Well, responsible way. Yeah, responsible way, and, and I mean, I think the alternative is is complete chaos potentially, right? You you could. The, the alternative is is Die Hard Four. <laughs> yeah, well, um, yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the alternative. Well, I mean, I think that what we what we could potentially end up with is, uh, from a you know, kind of bring this back into the forensics world, um, a. I guess I'll ask you then, uh, what does this mean for law enforcement? Because having cameras everywhere, having AI engines determine people, you know, the uh, the route that the fire engine or the um, ambulance takes, um, you know, street lights and all that stuff, right? Gunshot detectors. Like, there's a lot of things that are going on here that are potentially being added everywhere. Um, does that, what does that do to, to, to the ability to, to police the public, essentially? Well, hopefully, I mean, in some ways it's going to make their jobs harder, but ultimately, all, the, all of this technology is supposed to be for good, and it's, it's hopefully going to make their jobs easier, um, make them safer, uh, make them more efficient. Um, I, there is the privacy concerns of 
of the that they have to take into consideration around body cams and there's a lot of things like that yeah that too I yeah think of that. um but uh but hopefully it makes them safer i mean and, i mean while there are privacy issues with a body cam and, and there are some big brother-ish um concerns it, there is then somebody there keeping them hopefully safer. They understand the situation. Um, there's the dashboard cams on their connected vehicles. Hopefully that's there and keeping them safer. Um, and, and that's what a lot of this technology is doing. Um, it, some of the devices that we talked about, um, and luckily we had a, we had a customer here um, from, uh, from a regional police department that, uh, that they use drones with their SWAT teams. Um, they're able to uh, remove the human element on that initial uh, search to make sure that they're, they, they're not uh, going in somewhere that they're not prepared for. Um, that's making them safer. That is that, so that is a, that's an ins- incredible advancement because, that, I mean, I can't even, I can't even uh, imagine the, the incredible bravery that it takes to walk into a situation where, you know, you, you walk into a building or a hostage crisis or some sort of, you know, uh, shooter, uh, active shooter situation, you don't know what you're walking into. But being able to deploy a drone or 10 or 20 to automatically survey the situation, identify where groups of people are, listen for, listen, right, do audio detection yep. on potential gunshots, that kind of thing. I mean, that, that's going to change the game significantly. Oh, I, I think so. Again, it, it's, it's all to make them safer. Um, there's... I mean, some other IoT devices they're using, their drones are one, obviously completely connected, uh, but connected holsters, connected firearms, they have it uh, all tethered to, uh, figuratively tethered to uh, their body cam. So when they remove their firearm, their body cam's automatically activated, and other, other uh, automation can wow, happen okay, at that that's, point in that's time, That's interesting. Too. Yeah, uh, with the connected firearm, you get full-on incident reports. So when the firearm's, uh, when it's discharged, um, when it's reloaded, uh, when it when you actually change aim, there's accelerometers within the firearm. So when you when you change aim, um, ultimately a lot of this stuff too, and, and this is where we can tie it back to the data element of it. Um, when it all flows into an investigation, you have a complete 360 degree look at what really happened um, from the officer's point of view, from the device's point of view, uh, and it, it it goes beyond just what's being deployed um, by the actual officer or by the police department. It's the consumer. Um, IoT devices as well. So uh, smartwatch, for example, there's a number of things that, that you can do with a smartwatch beyond just tell time and get your text messages and emails. Uh, if you're a forensic investigator, you can uh, figure out time of death. You can figure out uh, through GPS, geographic location. Um, if it's tethered to the phone, you can actually gather, and this is where the AI element of it, context around situations leading up to the event. Um, so there's a lot of information just based on that, that one device that you can really glean that was never possible before. Well, so that's super interesting because I'm pretty sure that that's not the same uh, that device you're talking about, that smart uh, uh, firearm you're talking about. It's not the same Smith & Wesson I carry every day. Uh, I suspect no. that's a probably substantially more expensive or you know, harder to... Is that, that's not even a consumer type of thing, right? So that's police departments, law well, enforcement? And, and that's, that's police departments, law enforcement. That's actually something that's not as prevalent at the moment. It's where we're moving towards. Uh, connected holsters are becoming more prevalent. Um, but uh, the connected firearms are something that, that you'll see more of, I think, in the next five to ten years. That is so super interesting. I mean, it's, we are literally putting computers inside of everything. Um, and, and my the dad, 
it is, it is a, well, it's a RoboCop world, but so think about this. Um, you know, I at least spent a long time of my life in Illinois where tollways were a, a sort of a thing that you just grew, you know, drop in, drop your 40 cents and drive away. Mm-hmm. And then it became a, hey, uh, it's going to be 80 cents unless you get this transponder, which will automatically deduct. Yeah. And so people were like, I'm not getting those because they'll be able to track me. And I'm thinking to myself, you, how do you think they know when you go through and, um, you know, essentially blow the toll, right? They, they, they capture your license plate. They already know where you're going. Um, and then think about all the insurance companies adding the little plugins that will tell you, have accelerometers in them, have uh, uh, be able to interface with the ECU, how fast you're driving. You add a GPS to be able to tell whether you're over or under the speed limit. Like, that is a level of connectedness I'm not entirely sure our generation is quite ready for yet. Um, I don't know if I don't know if uh, the, the the current generation is, but I can tell you millennials and Generation Z are. Um, beyond just, I mean, the transformers are a really good example. But if you look at look at the vehicles out there now, the connected vehicles, the number of computers in my in my truck is insane. And uh, our CEO stood on stage at Enterprise World and said that uh, BMW is taking the data that they're in, and, and they could honestly probably give you better underwriting. Um, than, a, than a leading insurance company because they understand drivers' habits just based on, based on the amount of data that goes in the cars. And from a privacy perspective, we're buying the vehicle. We're consenting. Um, yeah. And, and <laughs> it's, it's really giving, freely giving up that data. So um, it, that's another great example of where technology and policy, policy hasn't quite kept, uh, kept up yet. Yeah. And, and understanding, okay, who's... Right now, that data belongs to BMW or whoever the car manufacturer is. Or Tesla or somebody. But who does it really belong to? And let's, let's have that discussion. Well, so there's a, there's a, there's a part of me that's glad that my, uh, my favorite the car that I drive mostly every day is a six-speed manual with the only thing that's electronic on it is the ECU and the Bluetooth <laughs> connector to my, to my uh, uh, phone when I want music, right? Yeah. But um, it's, it's very rudimentary, and it's not, as far as I know, not tracking me that much because <laughs> I suspect my insurance rates yeah. would uh, – my insurance company would have something to say about uh, my driving sometimes. Stuff is less li- likely to break that way too. Yeah, well, and right, and – and, and, you know, it's kind of funny. My dad, the, as I was looking to buy a new car, um, one of the things he said, he's like, you know, I, I, gosh, you, you guys nowadays, you know, you're buying computers with wheels. Uh, and, and I thought about that for a second. I went through the, you know, the car lot. I was like, okay, that thing has, you know, 100, 200 mini, miniaturized computers uh, with sensors and everything else, accelerometers, you know, all that, right? Um, and it, it's got, it's a, it's a data-driven world. And I, I think... Uh, the the investigator has so much more access to uh, and the ability to to paint a bigger picture. So you know, you from an investigator's perspective, right? You can tell um, from my smartwatch where I've been and potentially what time I passed away um, that I that I drove really fast and you know broke a pattern, mm-hmm. um, accelerated hard, broke hard, right, and did all the stuff that I normally don't do. Like, there's a big picture you can draw here. Well, and 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 that's a good that's a good point to make as we kind of kind of wrap this up is the everything in, in that you tie it back to consumer uh, IOT devices, law enforcement IOT devices, and you do, you can paint that, that 360 degree picture. Um, the connected vehicle tells you speeds, GPS, et cetera. Your watch can tell you uh, time of death, all that type of stuff. The incident report um, and, and the video footage from either the, uh, uh, the CCTV, CCTV cameras or the body cameras, um, et cetera. Um, or, if it, or if it's a domestic dispute or something, 
there was just Alexa. There, there was just a case <laughs> with Alexa, yeah. And um, so you have the data there. Uh, so uh, Ring doorbell is a great example. Yeah. Ring has a partnership with um, with police departments that they uh, can tap into that footage to kind of create that um, to to create that type of surveillance. So um, it, you can really paint a, a picture very differently than you could even five years ago, um, but especially. 20 years ago. So I can imagine, you know, in my brain, again, I, I grew up in the 70s and 80s, but my brain is, gets very dystopian very quickly in this, in this conversation. But you, it's, it is clear that um, the abilities to keep people safe and to paint a picture for what, it, one, if, the, if the technology and everything is reined in properly and, and policed properly, no pun intended, with the proper policy and privacy measures in place, that this, this is a, there's some fantastic advancements here. There are some really good advancements, and again, it's it's making sure uh, everything's used for good instead of evil. That's the idea. So I'll ask one more question because yeah. now I'm now I'm curious. It does with all this data that we talked about, the spirit systems, my watch, my phone, my car, uh, the cameras on the street lights, the holster, the body cam, the you know, the toll booths, all that. Uh, it, is it, as an investigator, are are you stuck pulling all that together on your own right now? Um, so. At least at the ingestion of it, uh, yes. Um, but uh, if you have that single data repository, that's where you can really deploy some type of uh, AI platform to help you sort through it. Most of the data that comes through, and you'd be surprised some that even, even I would think of as structured data, is unstructured. Um, and it's, it's upwards of like 80% of the data that comes in um, from IoT devices is unstructured. I mean, especially the sound, sound clips, video clips, et cetera. Um, there's no taxonomies on them. So being able huh. to, to search them, having an AI engine is a huge advantage. Um, so uh, th- that's why I think you're going to see more um, proliferation of AI, especially within law enforcement, especially within government, even at the I mean, FBI level, uh, DOJ level, uh, DOD level. Yeah. All right, one last question then, because it seems like you'd be the person to know. Is the, is the, the field staff, the police officers, the investigators, do they have the, the tr- knowledge and training currently? Um, the pro- are the programs existing to get them up to speed with all the technology? Or because I, I kind of felt like the court system, uh, you know, the, the public safety uh, offices are, were way, way, way behind for so many years. That, that's prob- we could probably do an entire podcast on that. Um, one of the things that I, I usually say when I speak is, uh, we can't forget the people involved. Um, oftentimes, and, and we're just as guilty of it, being, being a technology company, we, we focus so much on the technology um, because it's, it's a true game changer. But without, without the relationship between uh, the people that are deploying it, the culture involved, um, you, you hit, hit a key word, the education involved, um, it, you're not truly going to uh, transform how you're, how you're doing it. So um, to answer your question, I think it, it, you'd have to go from municipality to municipality or even at the national level to figure out what programs they have in place. I don't think you're going to see it consistent. Um, That's what scares me. Yeah, exactly. Um, but just like the level of technology is inconsistent. That's true. The idea, though, is that you bring the two in balance, and I think that's an important piece of it. All right, Brian, that's, this has been a fascinating discussion. I'm, uh, I'll let you go get on your plane, but uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. 
All right, folks, thanks for listening. That was a fascinating romp through um, some, some very, very interesting topics. Um, I'll, get, uh, I'll get some show notes put together, and we'll find out where to get Brian uh, on Twitter or otherwise uh, so you can ask some questions if anybody's got any. But uh, thanks for listening. Um, we'll bring you back more content soon on another Down to Secure Rabbit Hole podcast. Ciao. As we fade out on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole episode, we'd like to encourage you to chat with our hosts and guests using the Twitter hashtag PoundDTSR. Please check out the show notes, catch up on any episodes you may have missed, and subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. Our website is whiterabbit.net, W-H-1-T-3-R-A-B-B-I-T.net. So on behalf of Rafal, James, for now it's goodbye. We'll see you soon on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast.